When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Laco Finewood Floors, we discuss the Vanderbilt-Tennessee basketball game this upcoming Saturday. We also discuss Clark Lee's staff as it continues to take shape. And in segment two, we are joined by Jim Wyatt of TennesseeTitans.com, where we discuss everything involving Vanderbilt sports, from Vanderbilt's perceived co- new commitment to athletics, to what Vanderbilt needs to do this season on the hardwood in order to find more wins. That and more coming up on episode 65 of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report here on a lovely Friday afternoon, January 15th. This is episode 65. I am Will Byram, and unfortunately, Billy Derrick is unable to host the show alongside me today due to some recording issues, but we still have an incredible show jam-packed full of everything you need surrounding Vanderbilt athletics. Jim Wyatt joins the podcast in segment two. He covers the Tennessee Titans for TennesseeTitans.com and has been covering the team since 1999. We will also get into a preview of the Vanderbilt-Tennessee basketball game that looks like it is going to be played this Saturday. And we also will look into Clark Lee's staff a little bit more as we have been um, the past few episodes of the Door Report. Uh, it should be a pretty good episode. And before we get into breaking news, however, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. As always, we are presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead, the Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Uh, let's jump right into the Tennessee preview Um, It looks like we will be having a game this Saturday. I think last podcast, I gave it about a 5% chance of happening and said to keep your fingers crossed. Well, it looks like that 5% is going to be what overtakes the 95% with Stackhouse in his press conference as of about an hour ago uh, saying that Vanderbilt had, I'll, I'll quote directly from Stackhouse here, Stackhouse, we had one tier one staff member test positive for COVID-19 and one player test positive. Due to contact tracing, we took a little pause to make sure we had our data right. He says that only one player is the 
will be unavailable for the game against Tennessee. So we do have a game, ladies and gentlemen. Um, however, it is against the number 10 team in the country and the boys out east in the ugly orange, and they are very good at basketball. Uh, currently, they are ranked number 10, like I mentioned, but in Ken Palm, they're even higher. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Ken Palm, it's more of an analytical approach to kind of ranking teams similar to RPI, BPI, the NCAA net rankings. Um, but I think it is a better judge of the talent and resume of teams. Uh, currently, Tennessee is number six with the number two adjusted defense and the number 29 adjusted offense. Uh, they have played an okay schedule as far as difficulty is concerned, but they obviously have been very, very good so far outside of one stumble against Alabama where they fell 71 to 63. Other than that, this team is nine and one, and there is a lot of talent on, on that roster under Rick Barnes. So I, I, I don't think the line has been officially released yet, but if I had to give expectations on the game line, I would expect Vanderbilt to be around a 14 and a half to 15 point underdog. And that may be on the lower side. Tennessee doesn't really have one guy that, that runs that offense or that offense is hinges on in order for them to be successful. They're definitely a defensive minded team. And uh, coach Stackhouse had some really good quotes. If I can find them here on Tennessee, uh, he states, Tennessee is elite defensively. Uh, he says, we are somewhat of a perimeter team, but you still have to get in the paint. You still have to get to the free throw line and you have to have a plan against a team with elite rim protectors like Tennessee. And like I mentioned, Tennessee's offense, it, it, it's good. It's nothing spectacular where they hang their hat is on defense. Currently, Tennessee has four guys averaging double digits per game, but nobody averaging over 13 points per game. Uh, they have three guards averaging those points, Jaden Springer, Santiago Scovey, and Victor Bailey, all averaging 10, 10.3, and 12.4, respectively. And then down low, they have John Fulkerson averaging 11.6 points per game. And Tennessee has been very successful through Fulkerson and uh, Pons down low. Uh, they obviously have some extremely good room protectors with Pons averaging 2.2 blocks per game. So we're going to need big games from Dylan DeSue, Quentin Marilla Brown, um, Ajike Obina if he sees the court, and Odisipe if he sees the court. We still have not had any update on the status of Cleavon Brown. Uh, but as far as Isaac McBride, the guard transfer from Kansas, is concerned, it's not looking good for him the remainder of the season. There have been rumors that it is ligaments or ligament damage in his knee with possibly tearing his ACL. Those are just rumors. Um, I don't believe those have been confirmed yet. Uh, but but we'll be keeping an ear, an ear out for actual updates on his injury status as well as Cleavon Brown's injury status with that abdominal issue. So what does Vanderbilt have to do to compete against an uber-talented team in Tennessee under an incredible coach, at, at least so far in his tenure with Tennessee, and that doesn't seem to be stopping in Rick Barnes? Vanderbilt's going to have to rebound better than they have. They're going to have to shoot better than they have, and that's obvious. But who, who is going to step up for Vanderbilt on the offensive side of the ball? In my opinion, this game is going to be won on the perimeter. If the Commodores have a chance, 
that is where I, this Tennessee defense doesn't really have any holes, but it's certainly not in the paint with the incredible size and shot blockers and athleticism they have down there. Vanderbilt's going to have to knock down threes, which they have done in an okay fashion so far this year. Um, they're, they're not going to have to shoot out of the out of this world, but Tennessee really clamps down. So uh, I'm looking for Dylan DeSue to stretch those rim protectors outside with his shooting ability. I want to see him have a lot of minutes. Scottie Pippen is going to have to perform at the level he has been performing all season, and hopefully that continues against better competition levels. But Dylan DeSue stretching that defense, DJ Harvey being able to drive into the drive to the basket and get in the paint, and Pippen as well, and Jordan Wright. Uh, while DeSue is able to stretch their big men out onto the perimeter. But the X factor in this game is going to be Miles Studi, and that is, you're going to have to have a guy step up and be the guy to, to unexpectedly take over because Tennessee's keys defensively are obviously going to be focused on our outstanding point guard in Scottie Pippen Jr. But Miles Studi, Max Evans, Jordan Wright, those guys, DJ Harvey, I'd mentioned him previously, and DJ Harvey, those guys are going to have to step up and contribute. You're going to have to see two or three of those four guys in double digits. Otherwise, Vanderbilt is going to get run out of the gym, in my opinion. But if those guys do step up and can bring some offensive production to this Commodore team, then I don't think you'll see those scoring droughts that have plagued the Commodores and if you see another 16 minutes of this game where Vanderbilt scores nine points combined, then there's absolutely no chance that Vanderbilt is going to be able to compete. I, I wish Billy Derrick was on here for the next segment that we have here, uh, talking about Clark Lee and his hires that have been made official. But before I get into those, I do want to touch on some uh, on a sport we don't touch on very oft often, which is Vanderbilt women's basketball. They fell 106 to 43 uh, to South Carolina, who I believe is ranked number five in the country. So obviously a very high quality opponent. But the thing I wanted to point out, since we constantly touch on the scoring droughts of the men's basketball team, is Vanderbilt women's basketball managed to score zero points in the second quarter of a collegiate basketball game in a power five conference, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm hoping the men's basketball team does not take any notes from Stephanie White and that basketball team over there. But now we'll jump into football. Uh, Vanderbilt has made some of those hires official um, that we had been discussing, and, and they, the deals had pretty much been done. Um, they tweeted out uh, the defensive line coach, special teams and tight ends coordinator, uh, Barton Simmons as the director of personnel, and they tweeted out uh, the recruiting coordinator, Nick Valdeseri and Clark Lee had incredible things to say about him, um, if I can find that quote anywhere. Uh, but the bigger one why I wish Billy was here is Javon Hay is being officially retained as the defensive end coordinator uh, or defensive end coach. So that that's bigger than just him being the defensive end coach. He was able to bring in some incredible recruits including Marcus Bradley and Tank Sujic in this past recruiting class, with Marcus Bradley being one of the highest-rated recruits that Vanderbilt has had in the history of, pro history of the program since that was tracked in 2000. Um, I have found the quote from, uh, it was actually a tweet from Coach Clark Lee regarding Nick Valdeseri. 
He said Nick is one of the bright young stars in the recruiting slash personnel world. Under Barton's direction, he will be an asset in our recruiting efforts and instrumental in building the future of our program. Nick is smart, driven, and relentless. We are fortunate to have him at Vanderbilt. And I, I love the energy that we're seeing regarding the complete overhaul of the recruiting staff while ret- retaining Javon Hay, because as we know, Vanderbilt is consistently at the cellar uh, in the recruiting rankings and then has finished in the cellar of the SEC overall during the season since Derek Mason arrived. So there needs to be a complete overhaul of how this team recruits. And if Clark Lee can do half the job that he has done recruiting these impressive, impressive uh, position coaches and coordinators different in different aspects of the program, then, then we have a bright future here at Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt did extend an offer to four-star, a four-star linebacker that Clark Lee had previously uh, brought into Notre Dame, and his name is completely slipping my mind. But we did tweet about or, or quote tweet where an offer was extended to him. That would be a great start to Clark Lee's recruiting tenure here at Vanderbilt. Before we swing it over to Jim Wyatt, um, I do want to once again say thank you for listening to the Door Report. As always, uh, before we get into the segment with Jim Wyatt, as always, we are presented by Alaco Hardwood or Alaco Finewood Flooring. Sorry, uh, messed up for the rebranding there. But we have a segment with Jim Wyatt coming up where we discuss everything from him covering the Tennessee Titans and legends such as Eddie George, Keith Bullock, um, Derek Mason, and Steve McNair. We also dig in just a little bit into the Titans' disappointing loss at home to the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. We get into how Stackhouse's tenure is going thus far and if Vanderbilt is actually committed to athletics or if this this is just more hollow words from the administration. That, that and much more coming up next on segment two of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Finewood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Finewood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report segment two. I'm here with Jim Wyatt, who has covered the Tennessee Titans since 1999 and is currently a senior writer and editor for TennesseeTitans.com. Unfortunately, Billy Derrick uh, is unable to join us due to some recording issues. Um, but thanks for coming on with us uh, anyway, Jim. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. So before we get into any Vanderbilt sports, I, I do want to do want to ask about um, your Titans coverage. You've been covering them since pretty much they moved here from Houston. What what was it like covering Titans legends like Eddie George, Steve McNair, Frank Wycheck, Derek Mason, and many more? Yeah, it was an exciting time. Certainly, you know, being a national native, not ever expecting to have an NFL team and all of a sudden you've got a team in your backyard and have an opportunity to, to cover that team. It was, it was a fun time for me. I mean, I covered high school sports for the Tennessean, you know, pretty much through the nineties. And then, you know, the, the Titans became the Titans in 1999. And that's the year that I got a chance to first start covering the NFL. So, uh, you know, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Frank Wycheck, you know, Javon Kirsch, Samari Roll, I mean, the list goes on and on. Just, 
you know, guys that people still talk about today, you know, to go to the playoffs four times in five years, to go to a Super Bowl with a couple of AFC championship games, that team really kind of ignited the city and 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 are kind of the foundation for you know the the teams that we have today. So it was a fun time. Yeah, you know, certainly uh, you know, still see Eddie George on a pretty regular basis. He's been such a great ambassador for the for the team and for the city. You know, those guys really left their mark and now we've got a new set of um, you know of, of stars, you know, kind of reigniting the city, you know, today. Certainly this season, you know, ended in disappointing fashion, but I do think the pieces are in place. Um, you know, for the, the Titans to be good for years to come. Man, you're bringing back up a lot of names uh, of my childhood heroes, and I remember watching watching them very vividly. Um, speaking of the new stars from the Titans, and, and one more before we get into Vanderbilt, the Ravens game still has me angry. Anytime that you lose to the Baltimore Ravens, especially in the playoffs at home, brings back a lot of bad memories, even though I won't bring up 2008 too much. What happened after that strong start in the first quarter? Yeah, I mean, I, I never dreamed that uh, the team would come up short because of the offense, but that's kind of what happened on Sunday. And it's hard to really explain how it happened. I mean, it's an offense that scored 31 points a game, scored over 30 points in 10 of the 16, scored over 40 points five times, and you know, had a great drive in the first quarter and, and really – you know, a couple of possessions that produced 10 points and you really, you know, I kind of thought, you know, the Titans were on their way, but just kind of lost their way. I mean, defensively, you know, you know, they had struggled throughout the season and I thought they played well enough to win. Obviously gave up some big plays and gave up some runs on Lamar Jackson. When you give up 20 points in a playoff game, I think you, you know, and you have an offense like the Titans had this year. I thought, I thought that was a winning effort, yeah, but, they just could not get any consistency, you know, running the football. They just couldn't take advantage of things, throwing it, and had some drives stalled when uh, when really they needed to get points and, and needed to build momentum. So, you know, it was a disappointing ending to what was a, you know, a season – what was a season that had some, um, you know, positive developments. I mean, you win 11 games for the first time since 2008, won the AFC South. You had a 2,000-yard rusher. You know, Ryan Tannehill had another good year. Um, there were some successes in the failure of the season. Um, and I think part of that is what makes it so tough to accept because this is a team that could have done better, you know, should have done better. And, uh, and now you've got to sit back and watch the rest of the playoffs on TV. Yeah, unfortunate on that loss. And you mentioned stalling and, and inconsistent offense in that game, and that's kind of a perfect segue into Vanderbilt basketball. So we'll start out on the hardwood here. Um, Vanderbilt has obviously struggled in recent times from Bryce Drew to Stackhouse so far. What do you think of Stackhouse's tenure so far, and do you think he is the guy to bring Vanderbilt back to that kind of at least Kevin Stallings level? Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I see some positive signs from his team. You know, I think his team show a lot of fight and and uh, and effort. And you don't see, you know, guys quitting, which I think you saw maybe in the Bryce Drew era. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I want to see wins. I mean, I, I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, comment to me, oh, the team seems like it's getting better, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I judge getting better by winning, and, and this team is still not winning like it should. I mean, you're losing games at home that you never, you know, losing to Mississippi State in a close game at home. I'm, I'm not happy about that. I don't think any Vanderbilt fans should be happy about that. You shouldn't be losing, you know, games that you're just, you know, used to winning in the past. Going to Kentucky and losing close is not anything I'm proud of. I mean, not when you see Kentucky get beat by 20 points, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of days later by Alabama. So, uh, yes, I see some reasons to be uh, optimistic moving forward. I think Scotty Pippen is, is a special player. You know, Dylan DeSue seems like he's improving. I think Miles Stude has looked really good from the start. But, uh, you know, individual efforts, you know, not anything I'm hanging my hat on. You know, we've seen guys get drafted, go to the pros. You know, I'm happy for all those guys that have been picked in the first round, second round of late. But, you know, I want to see wins at in Memorial Gym um, moving forward. And until that happens, I, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, not going to be proud of, of losing close. Yeah, I think all Vanderbilt fans want to see more more ticks in that W column. But in order for that to happen, Vanderbilt's going to have to get more consistent on offense. You mentioned that Mississippi State loss, and there was a combined throughout the game, a 16-minute total time period where Vanderbilt put up nine points. What needs to happen on this offense? Obviously, Scottie Pippen is extremely talented and is carrying a lot of that weight on his shoulders. But outside of him, what guys need to step up and improve in order to get rid of these scoring droughts that have seemed to plague the Commodores? Well, I think across the board, I, mean, I think the still team is still kind of looking for, you know, who the leaders are going to be. Obviously, you got one in Pippen, you got one in DeSue, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of guys, whether it's Jordan Wright or DJ Harvey or Maxwell Evans. I mean, um, you know, like a lot of guys who are going to need to be more consistent uh, moving forward. Um, you know, this team's going to need to be better defensively needs to be better rebounding obviously you know, when Jerry Stockhouse came in I mean it takes you a while to kind of recruit and get the players in that you want so I'm not going to be too critical of him or or, or get too upset because he just hadn't had a lot of time but um, you know, I, I think just across the board they need to just you know be smart about you know how they play decision making be better defensively, and uh, and then figure out a way to win some of these close games. You know, again, they, they've been in games and had a chance, but it's still not able to close the deal. And and I think once you start to do that a few times, that maybe that uh, builds a mindset uh, of expecting to win those games. Yeah, whenever I talk with anyone about Vanderbilt basketball, the the name that gets brought up first and the most often is Scottie Pippen. And do you think with his success that he's seen so far, if it can continue, he'll leave for the draft after this season? And how high do you think he could potentially be drafted? Yeah, I don't know. But I kind of hope he sticks around. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I don't, I haven't really looked at draft projections to, uh, you know, to get an idea of whether they're talking about with him. You need, Neesmith was going to, going to be a high pick and you knew, you know, I, I thought that you know, certainly 
you know, they had some other, have had some other guys that have, have from from Garland. Obviously, is another one you knew was going to be a high pick. I, I, I'm not sure about Pippen yet. I mean, I think NFL scouts are probably going to want to see him develop more. Uh, he's I've been impressed with him. I mean, the guy's averaging 21 points a game, 22 points a game, you know, through nine, and you know he's been good shooting threes. His free throw shooting's been good. Um, yeah, I like his court presence. Um, no, I'd like to see him stick around and get even better, and um, and hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, that's touching on one potential departure, and now now we'll shift over to football. There's been a lot of news uh, this offseason regarding Vanderbilt and, and the future of that program, possible increased commitment. Um, Vanderbilt parted obviously ways with head coach Derek Mason and brought in Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee. Do you think that was the right decision? I do, and, I, and saying that, I, I really like Derek Mason, and think he was—he's a great guy, and certainly did some good things at Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I think that Clark Lee was a really solid hire. Uh, you know, for a number of reasons. You know, one is he's a great coach. I mean, it's, it's proven by what he's done at Notre Dame and throughout the course of his career, up for coach of the you know, assistant coach of the year honors. People recognize what a smart guy he is mm-hmm. and two I like the fact that he is a, a fanable grad and someone who is from Nashville and kind of knows what it takes to win in the SEC and at Vanderbilt and I think that he's the type of coach that um, you know that when he has success he won't be looking to bolt to the next big job I mean and you don't hire somebody because you know they're going to stay you hire someone because you know that they're invested in the program and they're here for the long haul, you know, and you hope that he does things like Tim Corbin's been able to do. And that's, you know, build a program, you know, create an expectation, you know, stay committed to the university and that you're going to see it through. And then when you do that and you build a culture, then you've got people that want to come and, I think he's done a good job right out of the gate with his hires. I've been impressed with who he's already been able to, to get on board. Um, and I think, obviously, I think with the more he's there and the, and the more people find out what he's about, I think he'll be able to recruit well. You know, the big thing now I'm curious about is just how much Vanderbilt is going to help him and how much they're going to put him in a position to be successful because – I've grown up, you know, in Nashville and been a Vanderbilt fan my whole life, and uh, and um, you know, grew, grow tired and weary of of the lack of commitment to football, and and you know, coaches are not getting a lot of help over there, and it's hard to be successful in the SEC when you look around and you see. Um, you know, you see the facilities that the other teams have. You see that the stadiums that other teams play in. You see what schools are doing to make the job of the head coach easier. And hopefully Clark Lee will get, uh, you know, get some help and a, a commitment. Uh, I want Vanderbilt to, to care about football, and you can't help a lot of times I wonder just how much they really do care. I mean, I, I'm not afraid to say how disappointed I was that 
they didn't let fans in the stands this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, I'm a diehard Fanville fan, and I would have gone out there to watch them play. And I, I bet if they'd opened up to season ticket members and the people who really wanted to be there, you know, the, there would only have been about three, four, five thousand who would have wanted to be there. They could have done that in a way where people could have uh, socially distanced themselves. And I, w- I think I would have enjoyed being there and not have to listen to the other team's fans sitting right behind me and yell the whole game, you know, cheering for their team. So Lambo took the easy way out and just said, we're not having any fans at all. Luckily, they let family over there to watch the last uh, couple of games. But it's kind of, it was a, it was a blow to me as a Vanderbilt fan who, who goes and makes an effort to be over there every Saturday when they play, you know, that they just didn't care who was there and it um you know i hate to say it but you know i I discovered that um you know there's some better things to do on a saturday than than sit over there and watch about lose by 30 or 40 points so um so i i went and saw alabama play when my daughter goes to school saw them play texas a&m i made my titans road trips on you know saturday mornings and and enjoyed my time in the, in the opposing team city. When I, in the past, I would have done everything I could to take a night flight out so I could watch Bramble play during the day. So I'm afraid that they kind of, you know, have kind of lost some hardcore fans by the approach that they took this past year. And now they've kind of got to, you know, do some things to convince fans to come back and to jump on board. I, I'm always going to be a Vanderbilt fan. I mean, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to support Clark Lee, and I'm going to still get out there um, whenever I possibly can. But I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans who are really disappointed and really turned off by, you know, the, the fact that the games were were not available to watch when every other SEC team opened up their stadiums. And, uh, and that's not a feeling that Vamble really can afford to give their fan base because the fans that cheer, cheer for Vandy are diehards who uh, who are willing to do whatever it takes to support the team. And, and this that was just another example that Vamble just didn't really care that much. Yeah, as a fellow season ticket holder, I, I can definitely say I spent a lot of Saturdays watching some bad football, and, and it was very disappointing that not even they didn't allow fans, but not until the last couple or few games of the year did they even allow family and parents. You had hell, you had our starting quarterback's family renting or buying a hotel room across from the stadium uh, to be able to watch those games. So that was kind of embarrassing to see as, as a Vanderbilt fan. And we've heard, you know, hollow words in the past uh, about commitment to athletics and actions speak louder than words. And we haven't seen a lot of actions yet. But we talked about the hires that Clark Lee has made, and we've never really seen guys making lateral moves from programs like Wake Forest, Wisconsin, Syracuse to take the same position at Vanderbilt and follow Clark Lee. Do you think that this is legitimate, real commitment from the athletic department and the university as a whole, or do you think it's going to end up being more of the same? Well, I think time will tell. I mean, I think part of the reason some of these guys are coming aboard is is because of their respect for Clark Lee and because of their belief in him. And they wouldn't be coming aboard if they didn't think he created culture that they'd want to be a part of. And and 
create a, a, a change in fortune. And, um, you know, I hope that the university and the people who hired Clark Lee, you know, follow through on any commitments that they would have made to him, that they will, again, help him with facilities, help him any way possible to be able to continue to bring people aboard that will help him with his coaching staff and use to come, but also help these young athletes over there who, who are at a, you know, are not dealing with the same advantages that some of these other schools, you know, that they're competing against in the SEC. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, um, you know, I'll just say I don't believe in what I see it because again, I've, I'm, I've been around and watching Vanderbilt football since the 1970s, and uh, and I was there when you know, they've played in Vanderbilt uh, Stadium. Dudley Field in 1982 against Maryland. I should say 1981 against Maryland in the season opener. Uh, and now as I look, go walk in that stadium today, it's pretty much the exact same place. You know, what is this, 40 years you know, later. So um, so I, I was proud to be there that night. Vanderbilt pulled an upset, beat Maryland. And, uh, and other than, you know, some new scoreboards and Maybe uh, you know some, some stadium being touched up a little bit here and there. It's the same exact place as it was 40 years ago. And during that same time, I've been to a lot of these other SEC stadiums that have had dramatic changes and improvements. And uh, so it can be done. I mean, and I've been to a lot of other stadiums that are similar to a lot of other schools that have a similar, I guess. Um, you know, standard of Vanderbilt, Lake Forest for one, it's got an outstanding stadium that mm-hmm. would be perfect for Vanderbilt. Uh, so we'll see. I heard a lot of, we've been talking about whether or not they're going to make a commitment for years and years and years. And uh, so I'm anxious now to see if that will happen. Hopefully Clark Lee will, will, um, will help spark that. Hopefully he does, and and the stadium is just the tip of the iceberg when you start looking at Vanderbilt's facilities for athletes and and things they have available to those athletes compared to not just other SEC programs, but other Power 5 programs in general. But the stadium is obviously the, the large eyesore there for Vanderbilt. And speaking of that stadium, and we touched on being disappointed in the 2020 season with no season, even season ticket holders being allowed in there. And there and there's a lot of, of variation and variability that's going to happen over the next nine months or so, eight months or so that we have until the start of college football. But do you think that there will be a sense of normalcy leading into the 2021 season? Um, or do you think it's more of the same or do you think it's really just a coin flip at this point? Yeah, I think it's, it's just hard to know. I mean, I. Uh, you know, I watch the news on a regular basis, and and um, you know, and, and certainly hear about the vaccine uh, rollout, which will make things better, you know, across the country. But you know, right now, it's that's slow moving, and it's going to take a while before you know, I think you know a great number of people are vaccinated. Where 
whether it's herd immunity and and there's an opportunity for you to be able to go to sporting events and concerts and and a lot of other places while having concerns. And I wonder you know, about the NFL, which is pretty much my life, uh, about whether they'll have OTAs and mini camps uh, this year and whether or not they'll have full stadiums. I, mean, I was obviously covered a lot of games this year where there were no fans in the stands, you know, and you know, the Nissan at the start and then, uh, you know, Minneapolis and in Denver and in Baltimore and it's, you know, it's, it's different. And uh, so, I mean, I hope we get to the point where, um, where, you know, things are better and, uh, and the vaccine's been readily available. And hopefully when we get a new, uh, new president, that stuff will move a little bit faster and, and, the world will start to change for the better. Well, Jim, we're running out of time a little bit here, but but one more thing before before I let you go. Um, what is your Twitter so that we can make sure to get that out there for everybody to give you a follow? Uh, at Jay Wyatt Sports, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time with us here. Um, and once again, that was Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com. Give him a follow on Instagram and Twitter and stay up to date uh, with any Nashville Titans news uh, that you may want. And once again, this is Will Byram closing out for episode 64 of The Door Report. As always, anchor down.